Who's ready for the Word of God? Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we know that you're here, and you've got an agenda to outwork. Lord, you want to accomplish some things tonight, Lord, that are going to make such a change in our lives, that it's going to release, Lord, your favor, your blessing, your victory, your power, God, in our lives like never before. Holy Spirit, we need you to help us tonight to take ground that the enemy has stolen. Lord, that our hearts would be filled with greater faith than ever before because we know, Lord, that according to your faith, be it unto you. <clears throat> not according to your wisdom, not according to your intelligence, not according to your hard work, not according to your background, not according to your degrees, but according to your faith, be it unto you. So, Father, minister powerfully by your Spirit. Tonight I pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Can I just have my jacket? I'm going to need it, actually. It's a part of the message, so I better put it on. Hey, thanks, everybody, for coming. Just really appreciate you joining us tonight. And I just pray it really will be worth your while, and you'll see God do something very powerful in your life. Okay, well, for some years now, I don't know how many years, two, three, four years, I'm not sure, but I have had this sense that one of the most powerful strongholds and works of the enemy that keep Christians, many, many Christians, if not most Christians, from uh, in spiritual poverty or at best not enjoying all the blessing that God has for them. And I believe that that stronghold is unbelief. Unbelief. And I feel stirred by the Holy Spirit to tackle the subject in some ways in the way I'm going to do it tonight for the very first time and at least start to bring down this enemy of faith that resides in all of our hearts. So we're going to find it in Hebrews chapter 3. This is about the children of Israel. Remember the Bible says that we're to learn from them and where they got it wrong, all right? So who's ready to learn tonight? Okay, here we go. Hebrews 3, 16 says this. For who having heard, having heard, rebelled. Indeed, was it not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Notice this, friends. This stuff makes God angry. Was it not those who sinned whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest or into the promised land, but those who did not obey? So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. The children of Israel failed to Enter the promised land of blessing, of favor, of victory, of prosperity, of overcoming, of all that God had for them. And the reason the Bible gives us is this one word, unbelief. Unbelief. There's a true story told of a man in New York many years ago. And he stood on a street, side of the street, and he was offering people $20 coins and he said, you can have them for $1. And he was shouting out, $20 for $1. $20 coin, just give me $1. Or 
All day, they say thousands of people went past him. Many laughed at him. Others scorned at him. Fifteen minutes before the end of the day, this lady comes timidly up to him, has a look at one of the gold coins and tests it out and bites it and throws it on the platform, you know, the floor, thinking there's got to be something wrong here. Eventually, she realizes this is the real deal, so she paid a dollar and took a $20 coin. Ten minutes later, she returned with two of her friends, and they purchased the rest of the stock. There was uh, eight coins, so she purchased $160 worth, which was a lot of money way back there, and she only paid $8 for it. Well, for several following mornings, hundreds of people packed the streets and lined the, lined the, the footpaths, including this lady, and she was at the front of the queue each time waiting for this man to come back with more gold coins because they all realized this was a fantastic deal. Of course, the man never returned. This is a true story. There's a statue put up uh, to, to this man, Horace Greeley. And what he was doing was he was demonstrating his theory that most poverty is due to the fact that people refuse to believe even in the face of overwhelming evidence. The children of Israel had overwhelming evidence to believe God. The, the, the plagues in Egypt, that wasn't enough. The Red Sea being parted. Their clothes and the shoes never wore out 40 years. The same pair of shoes like some of you wear, I've noticed, actually. <laughs> but theirs never wore out. You know, water from the rock. It goes on. If that, friends, wasn't enough, guess what? Every, every day there's this cloud of God's glory and presence. And at night there's this pillar of fire. Friends, overwhelming evidence that God was with them and on their side and would work miracles for them. And yet, in virtually every trial and challenge, they refused to believe. They were gripped with unbelief. And I think if I was God, I would have been angry too. I would have thought, you lot, what's wrong with you? And you know, the truth is, for most of us here tonight, many of us, in the course of our Christian walk, over and over and over again, God has blessed us. God has answered a prayer. Maybe not every prayer. He's come back through it. How many of you have experienced some kind of answer from God, some kind of miracle, healing, anything? Yeah, well, it's just about every hand goes up. And so, friends, for you and I, we have overwhelming evidence that we should trust God. But what? We don't. <laughs> We're just like these rascals. <laughs> when have they ever been called rascals before? who refused, the Bible says they refused to believe. And it says in another place, their hearts always went astray. They were unfaithful in their spirit, the Bible says. But I'm not going to condemn them because I'm very much like they are. But we're trying to tackle this and see if we can't make some progress. Hebrews 3 verse 12 says this. You ready? Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Wow. 
You know, sometimes when we struggle to believe, we say, oh, God, you know, you're not coming through for me. And, you know, the, you know Lord, God, why aren't you helping me in this situation? We kind of go into a bit of a pity party. God looks down and he's not having, he's not having any, anything to do with our pity party. He is saying, you evil heart of unbelief is what's your problem. It's what's my problem. You see, unbelief, friends, is a serious disease of the heart. And none of us, I don't think there's anyone in this room that's not diseased to some measure with this unbelief. And that's why our experience doesn't line up with the Word of God. And all the promises of God, we kind of don't manage to embrace or enjoy, just like the children of Israel, the thing that kept them out. You see, it was clearly God's will. What kept them out was this evil heart of unbelief. Imagine someone coming up to the front saying, man, I'm just going through this real trial, but I'm just struggling to believe God. And you say to them, oh, evil heart of unbelief. They'd leave the church, wouldn't they? I mean, we just wouldn't do that. <laughs> but it's in the Bible. Okay, let's move on from there. It got a great response. Thank you for that. <laughs> what are some of the causes of unbelief? What, what is it, what, how does it get into us? Why do we find it so hard to trust God? Even in the smallest of matters, if you're anything like me, it's just hard. Well, let me give you some causes. The first one is this, the world and the media continually bombard us with unbelief. You know, you watch the news, there's no good news. Here's the good news, but most of us read the bad news. Why would you do that? Most of us don't watch the good news running with fire. We watch the bad news that comes on the television. And it's all bad. It's disaster after disaster. Trouble after trouble. Problem after problem. Heartbreak after heartbreak. Earthquakes. Uh, mining collapses. You know, tsunamis. Uh, you know, murders and all the rest of it. People getting lost and killed and accidents. Uh, what's the message? What's the message that you're getting into your heart? Every day, the message is this, life doesn't work out. Expect the worst. In fact, prepare for the worst because it's probably going to happen. In essence, the media is saying, you cannot trust God. So the Malaysian Airlines disappears, MH370. Dis not a trace. I still can't put my head around that, but anyway, it's happened. Guess what? A few weeks later, I had to catch a plane. Yeah, you better believe it. Unbelief, like, oh God, you know, just a few extra prayers and Lord, please don't let this plane get lost and taken to Siberia or somewhere. What happened, friends? I, I, quick, I overcame it pretty quickly because I knew what was happening, but that's a classic example of how unbelief suddenly just begins to get thrown into my heart. Unless I guard my heart, I'm going to get caught out badly. See, everything screams at you from the media, don't or you cannot trust God. The second cause of unbelief is this. This is huge, massive. Is that you and I base our faith on our past experiences more than on the Word of God. For example, 
you weren't healed. So now your faith says, I probably won't get healed. Your finances, God didn't come through once before, so you're going to think, he's still not going to come through. You went through a crisis and a trial, and you really didn't come out victorious, so you think the next crisis, you're not going to be victorious. What are you doing? What am I doing? You're basing your faith, what? On your experience, not on the Word of God, which says, by His stripes you are healed. My God shall supply all my needs. We are more than overcomers through Christ who loved us. Friends, that's the Word of God. So what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe your experiences or are you going to believe what God's Word says? I say let every man's experience be a lie and let God's Word be forever true. This book will never lie to you. It will never be false. Thank you. You see, I've been through trials like you have when God didn't come through. Anyone else had that? Don't raise your hand. He didn't come through. And I fully expected he would come through. And I prayed and I sought God and I fasted and he still didn't come through. More than once. But I'm here to tell you, friends, that I will not allow my experiences to dictate my faith. I will continue to base my faith and I will declare to anyone who listens that this book and this God can be trusted. He is faithful. He is good. God is good all the time. All things work together for good for them that love God. You are to be the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Your God will supply all your needs through Christ Jesus. Doing my best. I thought it wasn't bad myself, actually. <laughs> It's a real trap. The devil will always say, remember? Go back a few. Remember? Is that true? What does God say? Remember? Remember when I did come through? Remember the promises of God in my word? He kept telling the children, hey, remember, don't forget. The children always forgot what God had done for them. Remember. Remember the good. Number three, this is big. Unbelief comes in when we focus on circumstances more than on God. David facing Goliath. See, Goliath, David, focused on God, not on Goliath. The rest of the children of Israel focused on Goliath, and thought, this is a huge problem, and they ran for their lives. You could say that David had a God-dominated mind and heart. God dominated his thinking. The rest of them had a Goliath-dominated mind and heart. And I want to ask you tonight, 
as you sit here and facing circumstances and trials and problems in your life, what is dominating your mind? The trial, the big trial, or is it the big God who's far bigger than the big trial? What is consuming your thinking? Is it God or is it the circumstances? Is it a big God or is it a huge trial? Friends, wherever you focus is going to determine your level of faith. It's going to create unbelief in our hearts. I want you to come with me to 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 12. There's a huge battle going on, and these guys are, they're gone for all money. The enemy is just too strong, and they know their history. And this is what we read in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12. It says, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. So they, they know that, they're, hey, they're done. We can't do it. Nor do we know what to do. But, everyone say but. Yeah. But our eyes are upon you. Not upon the enemy. Not upon this vast army over which they have no power. They said, no, our eyes are upon you. Friends, this is real to me because there's been seasons in my life, in fact, even fairly recently, seasons in my life where I've had to come to this word and I've said, God, this is bigger than me. This is beyond me. I, I can't do this. I can't handle this. And I said, God, but my eyes are upon you. I'm keeping my eyes focused on you. And friends, that has been a tremendous help to me and giving me strength and giving me grace. So how are you going to overcome this unbelief? I'm going to give you six cures that I think may help you. And as tonight, you will leave here with more faith than when you came in because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the first one is this. Number one, it's come to Mark 11, verse 22. The first is you have got to believe. Believe is a very simple word, but... It's a very powerful word. So we find this in the book of Mark in chapter 11. We're going to read verse 22 to 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So the first thing you've got to obviously speak to your mountain, but then it says you have to believe that God has heard your prayer and that his answer is on the way. Smith Wigglesworth took hold of two words that God put in his spirit, two powerful words that released incredible miracles in his ministry and even in our nation. And those two words were only believe. In all of their meetings, they'd sing over again, only believe. All things are possible, only believe, only believe. Apparently, they'd sing on and on and on. But that would release the most amazing, amazing miracles that our nation, more than maybe that, that was among the most amazing in our nation that there has ever been. And Wigglesworth said this. You see, once we've believed, once we've prayed, so we have to believe we've got the answer. Smith Wigglesworth said this. If you would believe half as much as you pray, you'd have the answer. Think about that. If you would believe half as much 
as you pray. You see, it's not a matter of how much we pray, but the faith that we pray with. Some of you don't need to pray more. You need to believe more that God has already heard and the answer is on its way. Wigglesworth said, I can get more out of a moment of faith than a month's yelling at God. A moment of believing, and you've got it. A moment of faith, and it's yours. It's better than a month of yelling. There was a patient in the hospital dying of cancer, liver cancer, and so the stomach had protruded out. So Wigglesworth, in his gracious and polite way, Goes into the hospital, sees his stomach protruding out and goes, bang, smashes this person's stomach. The doctors raise the alarm, the staff raise the alarm and, you know, call, call for help. But then to their amazement, the man who had been on life support jumps off his bed and starts to shout out, doctor, I'm healed, doctor, I'm healed. Before they knew it, Wigglesworth was onto the third bed dragging another patient off the bed And before they knew it, he emptied the hospital of sick people. Here's a man that conquered unbelief. And got believing into his spirit. You know, the word believe means Presently believing right now. That means, as you sit there right now, are you believing that God's answered your cry? See? In other words, you, you, hey, you, you just know God's answered me, and that pre- the answer's coming. I'm not sure quite when, but it, hey, I've got it. It's mine. I believe. See, it's not, God, I believe, and then you just forget all about it. No, no. Presently believing right now, this moment continuous believing. In other words, expecting the answer any moment to break out in your life. Number two is Mark 11, back 20, verse 24. It says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you receive. So the second word, first you've got to believe, then you've got to receive. It's kind of slightly different, similar, but quietly, uh, slightly different. You see, before God answers, we need to receive the answer by faith. And so, what I often do is when I pray, when I finish praying, see, this is real to me, because I'll finish praying, then I'll say, God, I believe, and I receive. God, I believe, and I receive. God, I believe, I receive it now. Thank you, Lord, it's mine by faith. That's how I pray a lot of the time. I believe, and I receive. Remember, God spoke a verse of Scripture. I've told some of you before about uh, Proverbs 8, 21, that I, may, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth. I felt God speak it to me. So I held out my hand and said, God, I believe what you've said, and I receive. God, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. I believe it and receive it. Sure enough, within a short time, tens of thousands of dollars came into my hands. Believe and receive. And see what God will do in your life. Mueller, George Mueller, that champion of the faith. So he's traveling across the Atlantic one day. Had an appointment to preach. The captain said it's impossible to get there because of the dense fog. Mueller said, I haven't missed an appointment in 50 years. I've never been late. He said, let's pray. Captain says, don't you know how thick the fog is? Listen, 
Mueller says, my eyes are not on the thickness on the fog. My eyes are upon God. He didn't even look at the fog. He wasn't even interested in the fog. So he prayed with the captain. And then the captain went to pray, and Mueller stopped him and said, no, don't pray. He said, for two reasons. One, you don't believe God will lift the fog. And two, I believe the fog is already lifted. They went up to the top deck, and the fog was gone. You see, he said he believed the fog was gone before he even went upstairs to the deck. You've got to believe, then you've got to receive it as well. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11, this is a, the great faith chapter. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says these words. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You could read faith is a title deed of things hoped for. The confident assurance that you have the answer. You're so confident you say, I have got the title deed in my pockets. For example, you're so certain that God is going to heal you that you have the title deed in your pocket. On the other side is faith, but you carry it in your pocket. You, you know, hey, this is mine. I am healed. Maybe your need is in the area of a miracle. You've got the title deed sitting in your pocket. Maybe it's, I think the next one is a relationship breakthrough that you need. You've got the title deed. You're so sure it's in your pocket. Maybe you need a loved one to be saved. You've got the title deed sitting in your pocket. Or maybe you need financial prosperity and breakthrough. We've got that one too. Sitting in your pocket. Faith says, I've got the title deed. It's mine. There it is. It's mine. You can't take it from me. It's like the title deed to a house. You know it's your house. I've prayed for decades for revival. Guess what? I've got the title deed in my pocket. I'm going to see it with these two eyes and not from heaven, from on the earth. You can't take it off me. It's in my pocket. I got the title deed and I'm holding on to it until I see it come to pass. Here's my question. What title deeds are you carrying in your pocket? Because that's your future. You better get some title deeds in there if you haven't got too many. And let God outwork your future. The third thing we've got to do is we've got to see. We need to see the answer with the eye of faith. So see yourself healed. Those of you who are believing for a home, See yourself owning a home. Walk through the rooms. There's the kitchen. Oh, beautiful sink there. Oh, dishwasher came as well. Go into the lounge. Think, man, this was bigger than I expected. Wow, four bedrooms. Gosh, I wasn't believing for four. Four bedrooms. Brand new carpet. Hey, walk through. See it. See it. See yourself healed. See yourself owning a home. See yourself in a great job. See, the world says, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, it doesn't work. 
Those who physically walked with Jesus, <laughs> they saw it all. The miracles, the dead raised, the, the sick, you know, the sick healed. I mean, they saw it all, but they still did not believe it. Even though they saw it, they didn't believe it. That doesn't work, friends. So the Bible says, don't say, I'll believe it when I see it. Say, I'll see it when I believe it. I'll see it when I believe. start to believe right now. Whatever you're believing for, expecting God to do for you, start believing right now and release God to answer. Number four, declare. declare. We're going to do that tonight, by the way. Romans 4, 7, I love this verse. Call those things which do not exist as though they did. Begin to declare it. You know, my financial provision has come through. You know, I've got my breakthrough. You name whatever it is. God's done it for me. Begin to speak it out. Begin to declare it. Begin to say it. Virtually nothing happens in the kingdom of God without declaration. Even when the Spirit of God was moving in Genesis, you know the story. Nothing happened until God spoke and said, let there be light. Then bang, it all happened. You've got to speak, friends, because your destiny comes out of your lips, for good or for bad. I've said the middle verse of the Bible, some people say, and they've, they've researched it, they've said it is to do with trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, the complete opposite to unbelief. Trust in the Lord. I want to make a suggestion to you. Whatever you're facing today, begin to declare daily, many times a day, say, God, I trust you. 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 The more you say it's going to go from your head into your heart, into your spirit, faith's going to be there and you're going to begin to trust God and that's going to release God to work for you because according to your faith, so be it unto you. I dare you. I dare you to declare many times a day, God, I trust you. It'll draw down incredible grace into your heart. It's powerful stuff. Finally, well, two more. All you need is a mustard seed of faith. Now, this is really important to understand. Let's go to Matthew 17 and verse 20. You see, the mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds of all. And it says there, what does it say there? It says, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. It's one of the smallest seeds. Friends, everyone in this room has got that much faith. It's just the smallest, minuscule amount of faith possible. But friends, it's enough. It's enough. Don't ever think you haven't got the faith to get you through. Yes, you have. My Bible says in Romans 12, 3, <coughs> excuse me, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. What does that mean? It means God's given you the faith, a measure of faith. In other words, God knew, listen, He knew exactly what would be going on in your life today. Exactly. God's not caught by surprise. He knew exactly what you are facing right now. No matter how difficult it is, He knew. And knowing that, he deposited in your spirit the faith that would get you through it. Because, friends, think of it this way. It is inconceivable that my Father in heaven would put you into the midst of the trial and then withhold the faith that you need to get you through. Come on, church. we got to believe God. 
<coughs> he's not like that. <coughs> so you've got to know tonight you have the faith that you need. It's in you. God has put it inside you. Knowing where you'd be at tonight. Finally, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The unbelief is bad thinking. So we go to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, as we wrap it up for tonight. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing, every unbelief that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The time has come for you, for me, the church of Jesus Christ, to pull down the stronghold of unbelief and release into our lives, the incredible favor, goodness, blessing, prosperity, victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.